Yes, 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 people. How's everyone doing? Welcome to another episode of Echoes from the Goddamn Void. Oh, man. It's... Yo, I I have to admit, man. I, I thought for a mad minute I was in some serious shit. So, like, my memory is fucked. Like, truly fucked. You know what I mean? I can't remember anything that I'm meant to be doing. And so a lot of times I put posts down and I forget to open it. Like, nothing, like, it's never been, you know, to my detriment to this point. But the other day, I thought it was. So I, I opened up the, this brown envelope and I saw it was from the tax man. And I'm looking at it, and then it's saying, you did not hand in your tax returns, we're fining you. And every day until you get this sorted, we're fining you. So I'm just like, what? Wait, what the fuck? Because for my last contract, I went with an umbrella company. Um, and you know what I mean? So it technically gave me more money. But, it, you know what I mean, I, I was, like, the reason I've never used one before because I was worried about things like tax and everything like that. And I was a bit like, oh, fuck, they were meant to be handling that. What the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? I'm, well, I'm like, hit with this huge bill. I can't handle this shit. What, like, what the fuck am I meant to be doing? So, um, you know, I've, it's in the evening when I've opened up this motherfucking mail. So I'm like, uh, shit. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so that I have to wait for the next day. And I give them a call. Can't get through to anyone. Like, to, can't get through to anyone. So I was like, fuck. Fuck. So then I call up the next day, still can't get through to anyone. Just thinking, man, this is just racking up. This is <laughs> this is just racking up. I can't oh, I can't deal with this fucking shit. And so um third day I, I, I finally get through. Finally get through to someone. And then they're like, Okay, sir, um, can you give us the reference number? on your letter so I'm like okay yeah I'll, I'll, I'll just do it couldn't find a letter for ages I'm just like I don't know what's going on this is joke this is crazy this is great I shouldn't be taxed I shouldn't be fined ah then I finally find a letter and I start to read out the reference number then I realize <laughs> the goddamn letter wasn't for me it wasn't for me. Oh my god, I I just nearly lost it. Nearly the woman on the phone must have thought I was fucking crazy. So the weird thing is, I keep on getting posts for someone that like lived in my place 
ages ago, like ages ago, because it's not even the person I bought the flat from, you know, so I don't know who this fucking person is, I always, like, put the mail back in, return to sender, blah, 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 but I still get shit, and it was for him, it was for this dude, so, um, yeah, I've, I've been feeling so ill with anxiety for the last few days for no goddamn reason but I am so glad because um yeah a couple of my friends got fucked by the tax man and I was a bit like I just don't need that shit right now you know what I mean do not need it Woo! but yeah that that was the um <laughs> that was the last few days oh man but you know Let's, um, enough of my shit, let's get to some of the weird shit happening, you know what I mean, around the world, right? So, some of the, um, big news recently is the arrest of Julian Assange, um, the co-founder of WikiLeaks, and it's all a bit it's a really weird situation, you know, because he's he's been hiding in the Ecuadorian embassy since 2012, which is, yo, that's a long-ass time to be, you know what I mean, like, kind of under house arrest, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy, like, the crazy thing is, because, yeah, like, we, we, everyone knows, you know, the US want him for the release of, um, information in, um, I think it was, like, 2010, was, I believe it was in 2010, when him, when, you know, he got the, got documents from Chelsea Manning, and WikiLeaks released all that information, so, he's been wanted by the US, but, so, you know, looking into this a bit, he then goes into the Ecuadorian embassy, not because of the US, but because he's wanted for rape in Sweden, which, that's a little swirly, you know what I mean, I'm like, I, I, I understand people wanting, um, you know, asylum, because, you know, places are, you know, they might be a political, um, refugee, as it were, you know, like Femi Cote, you know, people like that, you can understand people looking for asylum on those grounds, but, like, you know what I mean, if, if you're getting accused of rape, or, you know what I mean, something like that, it seems a bit off for someone to then go run to an embassy, you know what I mean, because as far as I'm aware, Sweden doesn't have the death penalty or anything like that, so, you know, like, if someone wanted me for rape, I'm gonna go and go, you know what I mean, it wasn't me, and, and prove my innocence, 
because hey if i didn't do it there's gonna be enough evidence to show i did not do it you know what i mean i'll, I'll either be out with people's or um yo if i'm if i'm at home like my neighbors can testify you know what i mean like you could you would be able to track like if you were at home watching TV using your computer, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So I'm like, yo, I can prove my freaking innocence. I'm not raping anyone. I'm not gonna run to a motherfucking embassy. You know what I mean? That that, that see that is a bit weird to me. You know? Um now the 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 thing about it, the um the rape case was dropped because, um, you know, he was in the embassy. So, they, they you know, they couldn't um, get to him. But the interesting thing is now uh, the Swedish government are considering reopening things because... Um, uh, you know the 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 the, uh, the limitation of that case ends in 2020, so they might reopen it, and I think they should reopen it. You know what I mean? I I honestly don't think you should be able to run to a friggin' embassy. It, like, you know, because do we know if he did or if we don't? That that's the question here. Running off, it it seems a bit, yeah, it seems squirrely to me. You know what I mean? So I feel he should go and have to answer for that, at least. You know, like, the whole US thing is, I don't know, it's a weird one. Because, you know, they did uncover the fact that, like, US, some US troops were killing innocent people. So I feel that's... that you can say is journalism, you know what I mean? But I I think he released the names of undercover US agents or something like that. That's fucked up. I kind of feel that's fucked up because you're putting those people in danger now. So, yeah, some of what they did, I have no issues with. But putting people's, you know what I mean, putting people's lives in danger, that's, that's where it gets, yeah, it gets really, really messed up. Um, yeah, it's weird because, so he's in the Ecuadorian embassy, so he's been in there for years, but, um, Yo, they were getting pissed with him. Busy, ki- busy. He was having arguments with them, and you know what I mean, like, and just doing shit that he wasn't meant to be doing. You know what I mean? So I, I feel the thing is they gave him asylum, but were like, okay, you, but you, you can't be doing certain things. But he was just like, yeah, fuck you. I'm gonna do whatever I want. Which is like, so do you, do you really, I mean, do you, are you really surprised that they were just like, you know what, we've had enough of you, leave, 
and there had to be an end game to this anyway, because I don't know, like, I can't imagine he expected to stay in the embassy for the rest of his life, because that would have been crazy, you know? Yeah, it's just a really weird, um, a really weird situation, but, um, yeah, you know, he's, um, he, I think he can face a year in jail here for missing a, a court date, so, um, you know, he pleaded not guilty, but the judge was just like, uh, you're an idiot, shut up, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think now he's just gonna be, um, waiting for sentencing, um, but I'm not quite sure when that is, yeah, they don't really say, um, in this article, when that is, but yeah, this is, it's a weird and interesting situation, weird, like, the, like, I have to say, there is a photo of him being taken out of the embassy, and so you've got, like, loads of people, like, bringing him out, and then there's just this one policeman with a huge smirk on his face, which is hilarious, but, um, I don't know, I, you know, I don't know, I, I really do feel he, he needs to face the rape charges, though, you know what I mean, I don't know about the US extradition, but I know for sure they should send his ass to Sweden, you know what I mean, that's what I think. Hey, I, I put on my Netflix the other day and noticed they have done something that I have been, ah, you know what I mean, I've been, I've been wanting them to do for ages and, and they've made, like, searching your, um, your, uh, watch list a bit easier, so on the left-hand side of your screen, if you go to that, it's got like TV, film, and if you select that, it then filters your watch list to TV shows or films. Now, if you've got a lot of those, it's still a bit like, ah, but at least, you know what I mean, you can differentiate between the two. Like, what I would really like, if you could filter by genre, so, you know what I mean? Like, because, you know, some days you think, right, I really want a comedy. So, if you could go film, comedy, boom. Or film, action. That would be, that would be the cherry on top. That would be awesome. But, what they are doing, so, but this is for the UK only. So, they are going to be introducing top 10 lists um, to help people, uh, select stuff, so, um, yeah, they had an investors call recently, where they talked about, you know, like, subscription fees, and, you know, Apple, and Disney Plus, and all of that, but they, but they also talked about, yeah, trying out this new, new thing, so, um, yeah, I, I, I feel, you know, so under all the different categories, 
there's going to be like a because at the moment now you just have like the trending on Netflix kind of list but I think they're going to give us top 10 lists of like film TV shows maybe split it by genres they don't really say but that you mean that could be helpful you know like it just depends how they're going to do it like I was looking at this piece on the BBC and there's one guy going oh they're obviously going to just be pushing their own stuff but I'm like well you don't really have any evidence of that you know what I mean so I I think we have to wait until this happens before we can start poo-pooing it but even if they did push their stuff like they paid for that shit so you know I, I who cares but you know, it, it but it does give you an insight into good stuff. Like the other day, I've mentioned this a couple of times already, but I'm gonna say it again. I found Unicorn Store, and that was an awesome film. So I ain't mad at them. You know what I mean? I ain't mad at them at all. But yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting thing. Look, whatever can make the user experience better, hey, I'm all about, you know what I mean, so, um, yeah, let's see, um, let's see how this goes, and I guess if it's a success over here, they're gonna roll it out to the rest of the world, so, um, you know, we will, uh, we'll trial it for you, rest of the world, you're welcome. Hey, I have to say, like, I think it's kind of apparent right now how, like, there's people out there who, I mean, what can you say? They're attention whores, you know what I mean? It's like people will do anything to get a little attention. And, you know, there's like people, people going crazy right now. You know, there, there's so much shit. Um, there's, you know, Game of Thrones has just started. So you've got a load of people talking about Game of Thrones. You've got the blood. Uh, you know what? I like Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? I really like Game of Thrones. But what I do find just frustrating right now is that you've got, like, all the cast out there just talking so much shit. It's insane. Like, you know, just making preposterous... Making stupid claims, like, that, you know, they revolutionise TV. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, uh, or it's like, oh, I don't know, that they, they're on the um the best show ever, and you know, like they can't leave their houses, and like no one else can feel like them, and blah 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 blah, and it's all a bit like, yo, calm the fuck down, you know what I mean? Calm the fuck down, people. Like, yes, the show, the show is huge. No one's denying that. You know what I mean? No one's denying that. But. 
there have been other huge shows. Other huge shows. You know, like, oh, you've got one guy from the show going, oh, yeah, like, you know, game, like, we've never tried to please people with the show. I'm just like, yo, the books, you are based on books. Let's get that straight, right? So it's not like people were dying all over the place in the books. That, you know, that's how they are. So you can't take credit for shit. And think of all the other shows that were like, you know, people just died. People were just like, you know, I think people were telling me that about, well, um, The Walking Dead. You know what I mean? Like characters were, like people loved the character and then the character would just be like killed off a few weeks later. There's been plenty of shows that have done this. So, yeah, we have all of this. And then the Star Wars trailer came out. And they dropped the new title. And people are, like, losing their mind. But I'm just like, yo, from the beginning, we were told this was an arc you know what I mean this was kind of closing the door on the whole Skywalker mythology. So why is like why are you all shocked? Why are you all shocked that it, you know what I mean it it's got you know what it is, you know what I mean? So it's called Rise of Skywalker. Like Come on, man. Like, and, like, that, I mean, that, like, all, all the way through, like, these last two films, we've been, like, you know, hinted that Ray is a Skywalker, and, you know, little, like, there's been all these flat, they're not, oh, no, she's not a Skywalker, but they've, it's all just been so transparent, and just like, okay, okay. But yeah, everyone's losing their minds. Everyone is losing their minds. And some some weird fan put a video of his reaction to the trailer. And he's crying. Like he he he's crying watching the trailer. Now, first of all, right, he's putting that video up solely to get a reaction you know what I mean because you know if you put a video of yourself up crying or falling over or just doing something crazy like people are gonna react to it so he put that up and then it's just like uh, now he's all like, oh, I can't believe it. people are attacking me online and calling me names and blah, blah, blah. Be like, yo, that's what happens when you do certain things. You know, like, look, it's not like this is the first time this has ever happened. You know, it, it, it's, it's weird. Like when people say things like this, it's just like, look, this is a, this isn't the first time people have done this for the last decade, so you knew what you were doing by putting this up, and you knew what the reaction would be, so you can't complain about it, and we also know 
like so people are gonna call you like a, a, a little bitch you know a crying baby like all things like that obviously that's gonna come and whatever whatever like if anyone's like oh you should die blah, 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 like that's bullshit but we also know that is going to come from the small minority as well. I mean, it's just standard. It's just standard. So it doesn't need, like, Mark Hamill then comes out and he's just like, oh, you mean I stand by you? And it's all this shit. Like, firstly, Mark Hamill is only doing it to keep his name in the conversation because he's not in the f he's dead his character is dead so Hamill wants his name out there because like face it Hamill isn't exactly a great actor he's not a great actor otherwise he'd be in a whole heap of shit Harrison Ford still had a movie career after Star Wars Mark Hamill did not like, he stayed alive by voicing, like, the Joker and shit for DC animation. Film-wise, Hamill really hasn't done shit. You know what I mean? So, he comes out all the time with shit like this to try and stay relevant. And it's just, it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. But, it, I mean, it, it's just this whole, this whole thing. And, like, other people are like, oh, this guy is so brave. I'm like, listen, right? You do shit online, understand what is going to happen. You know, we can't, it, we've become this weird society where, like, people do things and then go, don't say anything about me. And it's just like, look, you put yourself in that position. You under, you have to understand that. Put yourselves in a certain position. People are going to say so. And, pe and there is nothing wrong with a little, a little back and forth. You know what I mean? Like, we should be able to joke. We should be able to laugh. You're, look, I've fallen over in the street. And people have laughed. And that is fine. Because I laugh myself. But it, it, you know what I mean? But now people like people would be like, you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. That that you know what I mean, that's unfair. That you know what I mean? you you should apologize to that. But you're like, fuck no. Look, we're allowed to laugh, we're allowed to do look, all all you you shouldn't do like no death threats. Death threats are just retarded. You know what I mean? It's it's a silliness. It's ridiculous. We shouldn't do that. But anything else... People. People. Calm the fuck down. You know what I mean? Calm the fuck down. You know what I mean? Look, if... It, if you want to try on a video to try and, you know what I mean, increase, increase your likes online, A, then 
you opened the floodgates, my friend. You opened the floodgates. God damn it, people. I have to say, UFC 236. Whoa. Like, what? I don't know what else you can say about that. Whoa. I, I, I think that everyone is going to remember this card. You know, it, 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 it's crazy. Like, it was okay. Like, things were okay. You know what I mean? We saw some, some good fights. There were definitely good fights on this card. But the co and the main event, they elevated this to something else. Now, oftentimes you'll you'll have an event, and the co-main event or the fight before the main event, uh, it can be incredible. You have this amazing fight, and you're like, "Oh my, how do you top this?" And, like, the main event, it it can be good, but it still isn't as good as that last fight. And that sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a problem. Like, you know, it's not because it makes everything bad, but, like, you just have had that incredible high. And then the next one is, it's okay. But you're just like, oh, but why can't I still have that high, you know? And that happens, you know what I mean? Like, if you think about um, UFC um, 2, I think it was, oh gosh, 232. Yes, 232 closed out 2018. You know what I mean? Because that was a great card. It was a great card. But. But. You know what I mean? Because just like. You know. Alright. Let me break. Because we we had Alexander Volkanovsky against Chad Mendes. That was a great fight. Corey Anderson against Ilya Latifi. Another really solid fight. Carlos Condent. Michael Chiesa. But then you got to the co and the main. And the co-main event was Chris Cyborg against Amanda Nunes. And Amanda Nunes starts Cyborg in the first round. Like, not even a minute into the first round. It was incredible. Everyone was off their seat. Everyone was going crazy. It was ridiculous. And then the main event was John Jones against Alistair Alexander Gustafsson 2. And that was a really it was a really good fight. Jones won it in the third round by TKO. But the thing with that fight was Jones never looked in trouble. You know what I mean? Jones controlled the fight. So it it wasn't that that peril 
that same peril. Because in the cyborg fight, cyborg cracked Nunes. That was the crazy thing. She cracked Nunes. Nunes looked like she might be a little bit stunned. Cyborg went forward. And then Nunes was like, uh-uh, not in here, motherfucker. And then blitzed her. And then just pounded her out. You know what I mean? So there was that up and down there. There was that peril moment. And that's what made that fight, however, however short it was, so epic. John Jones controlled his fight all the way through, you know. So it wasn't the same high as the co-main event. So it was still good, but it wasn't as epic, you know what I mean. So let's fast forward to um, yeah, UFC two thirty six, and the co and the main were both incredible fights, incredible fights, you know what I mean, which, which just made this event just something else, like, before we get to that, though, I think there was a lot, there was some good performances, but there were also fights that really showed that some fighters have a lot more that needs to be done, you know, like, Lauren Muller against Pollyanna Bofello, like, see, I think this fight really showed that more dimensions are needed, you know, like, Pollyanna won, but I think if Muller had just diversified and done a bit more, she could have won that fight, you know, but again, Pollyanna didn't really show enough either, so, like, you know, neither fighter looked like they could challenge within their division, you know what I mean, which, which was the big thing, they, they didn't look I mean, then they, they would never. I don't think they could, they would get to the title, you know. Yeah, that was the thing you saw in that fight. Um, in Curtis Millander against Balal Muhammad. Curtis Millander, in his fight before this, he was taken down, and dominated. He had no ground game. So you're thinking, right, he must have worked on his ground game. He must be working on his ground game. On In the first round, he looked, he looked good. He looked good on his feet. Second round, Bilal took him down and that was it. He had nothing on the ground. Like, not even the basics, really. Not even the basics. Didn't really know how to how to get up. Like that's the, just the core thing. Just knowing how to control someone and then get up. Just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Which is a problem. Do you know what I mean? So where it looked like Millender could be a contender, 
No. Like, unless, unless, you know what I mean, he he goes away and just does some drastic, drastic work on his ground game. But, he, like, he's 30. So he's kind of reaching his prime right now. So for him to, say, take a year out and just work on... You know what I mean? Stall like stalling the takedown, getting up, just some basic jits. I don't know if he's got that. And also, it, it's he's got so far. Like, will that soak in? You know what I mean? Will he actually be able to to learn new skills? That I mean, that's the thing because you kind of feel. The right, you, getting to the UFC is the big show, and people in the UFC aren't one-dimensional. So you you'd kind of think, right? I want to be in the UFC. I need to work on all my game. So if you haven't done it by the time you get there, you kind of wonder if you'll ever be able to do it. You know what I mean? That and that was the big thing there. Wilson. Wilson race against Alexandra Pantanoja. Like, Wilson didn't look too bad at the beginning. But he then just seemed to really fade. And you kind of wonder, because Wilson... You know what I mean? Wilson's 33. He's been in some big fights. And you kind of think... This could be it. Like, I I think he could be on that downward spiral. You know, because he hasn't looked good ever since he fought, um, like, Demetrius. Really. I mean, that looked, that looked like it for him. You know? Alright. So, um, the prelims ended with Jalen Turner against Matt Ferrola. Matt the Steamroller Ferrova. Um, and Matt looked really good in this fight. Re- he kind of controlled it all the way through. Um, and I, I think the thing with Jalen is, you know what I mean? He's huge. He's huge for 155. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's like um, he's six foot three. Six foot three. Three uh, has a 75 and a half inch reach, which is crazy for 155 pounds. Right now, though, it he doesn't know how to it doesn't really look like he knows how to really optimize his frame. And that is a big thing for someone like him. Like he looks promising for sure. Definitely looks promising, but for him to elevate himself to that next level, he needs to know how to work off his jab, use his kicks, keep people at range. That's what he really needs to learn. And until he can do that, I think he will struggle 
against opponents who, like Farola, will pressure him. You know what I mean? Um, so the main card, Ovin St. Prue against Nikita Krolov. Um, and this was a rematch. You know, St. Prue won the first fight with his Von Prue choke. Um, this fight, though, and it's a crazy thing. St. Prue, he's... He hasn't looked incredible in his last few fights. He's won a lot of fights. But it's just like... It seems that some of those wins came from a lapse from his opponent. You know what I mean? But it's like... uh, I think it was Corey Anderson. He looked so gassed in that fight. So gassed. And he, 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 like, Anderson dropped his guard and got caught with a head kick in the third round. You know? Um, and that and that's a thing. It, 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 it's by fluke. But he's, he's really kind of gassing himself out. Especially when he takes people down. And that seemed to be the thing with this fight. He took Krolov down, I think, twice. Maybe three times in the first round. Krolov was able to get up and all that exertion really seemed to take it out of St. Prue. And in the second round, Nagida just picked him apart. You know what I mean? W- was able to, like, in and out, using a lot of different angles, took him down and then sunk in the rear naked, which... I, like it got to a point, and it seemed that St. Prue just kind of gave it to him, kind of wanted to be out of there. That's what it kind of looked like, you know what I mean? But it was a great win for Krolov because you know what I mean? He does look good, does look good. So it'd be interesting to see what he can do with this if he can put together a run now. Alan Joban against Dwight York. Uh, this, not much was done in this fight, you know, Grant won, and Joban was pissed, but the problem was, Joban didn't really do enough to, you know, for, for, for anyone to say that it was a robbery, you know, the fight was so uneventful and so close, like, it was basically anyone's fight, and no one in that third round put a stamp on it, you know, and that, and that was the thing, it's like, look, you, you gotta go out there and, and put a stamp on things sometimes, you know what I mean, just show a little urgency, and hey, it's, it's you know, n- neither did that, so, um, we then moved to Eric Anders v Khalil Roundtree, now, in his last fight, Roundtree was starched by Johnny Walker. And um, Eric Anders, you know, l- lost to um, Tiago Santos, I believe. Uh, but, he, he, you know, it was a fight he took on short notice. And he, he you know what I mean, it, it, he showed crazy heart in that fight. 
Um, and in this fight, again, he showed a lot of heart. But the thing was, you know, after Khalil's fight, last fight, he went to Thailand. He was just like, look, I need to work on my clinch game. You know, I've seen holes. I need to work on this. I'm going to Thailand. I'm going to work on those holes. And God damn it, he looked like a completely different fighter in there. You know what I mean? It really looked and and you could see the improvement. His his stance, you know, different stance. He was in and out. He was light on his feet. And he just picked Anders apart. It was a masterful display. He couldn't take Anders out because Anders, yo, he's got heart for days. But Roundtree just dominant. It was a dominant performance. And you kind of have to look at Anders and think, I f- you, you kind of feel that he needs to do something like Roundtree. He needs to go and really explore the holes in his game. Because otherwise, I you know, you can't see him getting to that next level. Okay, so then we get to the co-main event. Kevin Gastelin against Israel Adesanya. And this, yo, I think all you can say is this was an instant classic. It was a five-round war, which was insane. And like the big thing was, could Gastelin get inside Adesanya's reach? Now, in that first round, you kind of felt, no, not sure he can. Now, he was landing, but Adesanya was just keeping him a lot of the time at the end of his reach and picking him apart. Um, And then, I believe it was in the second round, Ad- like Gaslin got to Adesanya, put him down. Put him on his ass. And you're like, oh shit. You know, things are turning around. You know, Gastelum was like looking really good. Um, I think then Adesanya took the third. But then in the fourth, like Gastelum rocked Adesanya again. Like really rocked him. Caught him with a head kick. Like landed some good punches, but decided to go for a takedown. Decided to go for a takedown. He couldn't take him down, and it gave Adesanya the the time he needed to clear his head. And so this was the thing. It was a lot of back and forth in this fight. Gastelum, when he landed. He was rocking Adesanya. Now, Adesanya was landing on Gastelin, but at this moment, to this point, he hadn't, like, really, really rocked him. You know what I mean? He definitely landed a lot. Like, Gastelin was marked up, but he hadn't been rocked. 
So I think we went into the fifth round two rounds apiece. It like it was all up for grabs. Eva could take this. And you kind of felt Gastelin had the momentum going into the third. Both fighters were tired. I mean, it was a war, people. It was a war. But it was crazy. Adesanya seemed to find another level. Seemed to find another level. And it his performance in the fifth was masterful. Like, there's no other word you can say. It was masterful. Like, Gastelin was still trying to come forward, was still trying to land, and he did land. But Alessandra landed more. And, like, it, it, it got to a point, and I think it was the accumulation of punches was just taking it out of Gastelin. Because all of a sudden, he was getting rocked. And there was several occasions when the referee was really close to stopping the fight. But Gaslin, heart for days. And he managed to hold on until the last bell. And um, yeah, Adesanya took the decision. And the interim middleweight title and he answered so many questions there's you know obviously gaslin had fought the higher level of competition gaslin had more mma fights adesanya has had fights you know what I mean he's had a stellar kickboxing career he's fought mai tai so He's definitely had fights and championship level fights. But people wondered, could he could he handle the pressure when it got there in an MMA fight? Could he be the nail? You know what I mean? What would happen when he got to the wall? Would he hit it or could he get over it? And I think we saw he over it and then some yo it was incredible he held the flag and now people two nigerian champions what what yeah it was is it's crazy man crazy like but you you have to say gasoline stock did not go down in this fight this was such an incredible fight. It's definitely in contention for fight of the year. You know what I mean? It was incredible. So, like, I mean, if, if Gastelin stays ready, I mean, if he can heal up, he, he will get another title shot very soon. Very, very soon. If, if he can just... You know what I mean? Just keep things moving and win another fight. He's he's still in that contention for sure. Now, as I said, look, the thing was coming off an incredible fight like that, what do you do? 
Like, how can you compete with that? Well, simple, right? You have Max Holloway fight Dustin Poirier for the second time. Because, God damn it, this was another classic. This was another war. This was another epic, an epic clash. It was incredible. Incredible. Now, as everyone knows, Max was moving up from featherweight to challenge for the lightweight title. So he's featherweight champion, moving up to challenge Dustin Poirier for the light heavyweight interim title. And it was like, how is this going to go? You know, where like when their first fight was Max's debut to the octagon. You know, and since he's been on a tear, currently on a 13 fight unbeaten run, he's been in some wars. You know, he is he, clear he's got crazy determination and he's big for the featherweight division. So, it, it, you know, it, it was an obvious thing to see him test himself at lightweight. You know, but from the beginning, you you saw that Poirier was clearly the bigger fighter in there. Clearly, it would be interesting to know what they both weighed in the ring. You know what I mean? Because yeah, Poirier was clearly bigger, clearly more muscle in his frame, broader back, like. Definitely stockier. Like Max is very thin and wiry. And the and the thing was every time Poirier hit Holloway, like Max got rocked. You you could see the impact. You could see what the punches were doing. Now Max landed a lot of punches. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't a walkover by any means. But when um, Max landed, you didn't see the same erosion on Poirier. You know what I mean? They weren't rocking his head back. They weren't stopping him in his tracks. I mean, like... In total, like, Max threw more punches. So, if Max had more power, you you think he probably would have won this fight. But he didn't have the power in his shops to hold Poirier back. And so, that was the thing. Like, Dustin, like, clearly took the first round. But, like, Max... You know what I mean? He wasn't going to take a step back. And he came hard in the second. Throwing crazy combinations. Throwing a lot to the middle. And, you know, like with the first fight. It was very back and forth. Very back and forth. So, going into that fourth round. You can definitely say 
that this could have been two rounds apiece. Could definitely look at it like that for sure. But, you know, Poirier having the more power because there was a moment where he was looking tired, but he he sucked it up. He found, you know, that 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 last bit of fuel. And he powered through that fifth round, just landing just hard punches. The you know what I mean? Because they were rocking Holloway, that gave him that round. And busy land, he you know what I mean? he landed a lot of punches in the last round as well. So it was just like, yeah, he 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 took that. Fight. Now a lot of judges seem to give it that I think he had four rounds to one Like I think it was closer than that I think like Rogan, Anik and DC felt it was closer than that But you, you definitely felt Poirier won the bell But this was Another classic performance It was another war And As I said at the beginning These two fights God damn it people These two fights made UFC 236 They made that Atlanta crowd So happy to be in attendance Because You know I mean This, this card just got elevated to that next level it, it it was just ah it was a joy to watch it was a joy to watch and oh man it put so much pressure on next week's card from um St Petersburg you know what i mean because whoo what are they going to be able to do to compete with that because that was incredible but yeah you know what I mean um yeah I'm gonna I'll be back next week with um thoughts on um the Petersburg card which is headlined with Alistair Overeen against Alexi Olyunek and you wonder can he sink in another Ezekiel choke? Who the hell knows? Hey, well, you will. Next Wednesday. You know what I mean? All right. So I'm just back from the BFI IMAX. It was um, part of this uh, Radio Times TV festival thing that's been going on there and um this evening they had a uh, a game of thrones thing because you know later on today in um the states and in the early mornings of the uk the first episode of season eight will be airing so um yeah, they had Joe Dempsey, who plays Gendry, and Jacob Anderson, who plays Grey Worm, in attendance. 
And they were being... Hmm. I wouldn't say interviewed, but, you know, I guess the evening was being led by Jamie East, uh, who I believe hosts Thronecast. have no clue what that is. I'm assuming it's one of these things where they talk about Oh, so what happened in the episode today? Well, Cersei fucked her brother and... One of those. So, um, yeah. So he kind of led, you know, the, the discussions and all of that kind of thing. Uh, you know, obviously, going in, I, I didn't think it was going to be any spoilers. Like, anyone going to something like this who thinks they're going to, you know see the first episode or oh they're gonna reveal all these things it'd be like ah oh, you're a moron it never happens you know what I mean um but I thought it, it could be an interesting insight into you know the filming process and you know just the acting and all of that you know uh unfortunately like, you know, I would say everyone in the room seemed to enjoy themselves. You know, they were all happy with what was going on. But for me, this was just a bit... It it, it was, you know, the, the, these guys have been on the um, promotion circuit for the last month or so you know, talking up, you know, season eight and all of that, so when you get to the end of that, it, it it's, it's really clear that all responses have been worked on, polished, you know, just got down to impact, you know, and that, and that's what it 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 came across like, you know, every, everything was a bit formulaic. Everything, you know, because it's all that. Oh yeah, every everyone was sad because it was the end. I'm like, yeah, obviously, no, every, like you speak to any actor when they it's they're shooting the last season. Everyone's a bit like, oh, yeah, it's a shame. Oh man, this has become a come a part of life for the last few years, you know what I mean, that's, it's, it, it, you know what I mean, this isn't just something new that Game of Thrones has created, you know what I mean, it's like, oh, before this point, no one really gave a fuck, but now, all the actors are really like, oh no, what's gonna happen, and, yeah, so that's a thing, because, you know, everyone's gonna lose that regular work, everyone's gonna, lose the, the the fan recognition that they're they're getting from this show uh, and I think also there's certain people that really aren't going to be as big going forward you know but it is what it is but yeah you know it, it, every, everything was just a bit like oh yeah the writers are geniuses oh yeah blah, blah, blah. and it's just like come on like I give me more. This is just so base. You know, it, it's so superficial. And, and and you didn't learn 
anything uh, you know any real insights into anything which I thought was a real shame and because Jamie East hosts Thronecast and goes to the set a lot and all of this like he knows all the actors and everything like that so it was all a bit like all right mate you know inside joke ha 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 you know it's a bit of that which is a bit like I wouldn't have had him you know I, I think for something like this to really work and pop it you get someone that doesn't know and isn't that close because then they can ask questions that really cut deep you know but yeah I that's not what we got unfortunately but there was a um there was a Q&A afterwards and I uh you know I snuck a little recording of that so um you know maybe you will get more out of this than I did so enjoy just kind of set the scene uh, for a slide and describe the last 10 minutes of that table read. <laughs> <laughs> Trap. <laughs> what was the I nearly walked right into <laughs> it. It's a good job you're here. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was what was the what was the, what were the first words uttered after the table read? It's a trap. <laughs> what was the mood like? <laughs> the mood was very subdued, right? But not yeah. not necessarily related to to the contents of the no. show, but just be, because, like Joe said, I think Joe said it perfectly earlier on. It was like we were like, oh, this is over. Mm. This massive portion of our life is done. Not really yeah. thinking about the fact we had to, yeah a <laughs> year to film it. <laughs> we had to actually do that. But it, but it was was it? I think it was Kit said a while ago, and it and it, and it resonated with me that. Um, but yeah, at the end of that read through, he said that you know, normally when you get a set of scripts through for a, a season on Game of Thrones, you, you get to the end of the final episode and it says, end of season three, end of season four. And at the end of this, it said, end of Game of Thrones. And it just like really hit, um, got goosebumps just saying it. And, um, and I got goosebumps just watching that trailer again. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that so many times now, but <laughs> on that big screen, it just, yeah. I'm going to be watching The Avengers on this screen in like <laughs> two weeks. And I was like, I just saw my face. I saw Joe on here. Well, I mean, you know, there's only six episodes. We've waited a long, long time for them. Is it fair to say that the kitchen sink has been thrown at this and this, you know, it's, it's got everything going for it? Is that a fair assumption? <laughs> This is going to be the hardest conversation I've ever had in my life. Um, it's yeah, really careful. fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I say that as a fan of Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the premiere on at the Belfast premiere on 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 Friday, how satisfying was that? How, how I don't even know what I can say. Can someone take Hannah from HBO out of the room? Then we can really have a good conversation. <laughs> but. So many questions I want to ask. It's just, it just, okay, the, the thing, I do think that this season has the, the perfect balance between, you know, we, like, we all know what it is that the characters are 
or anticipate what it is that we're all readying ourselves for, what it is that we're trying to, this, you know, this, this reckoning that is, that is about to happen. But, and, 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 and I'm sure, I mean, we, we haven't seen anything yeah. past episode one, but I'm sure there'll be some of the most stunning Game of Thrones sequences that, you know, you've ever seen. But it also, in amongst that, really does find the time to really check in with those characters that you've grown to love over the course of eight seasons and and there's some you know I, I, th I think it's perfectly balanced between between the you know the, the show-stopping sequences that, have, that I think has made Game of Thrones redefine what television is capable of and um, and those like we talked about those rich characters that I think are the, that, that you know that's what's really hooked people in and, and, and there's there's plenty plenty of that in season eight that sums it up perfectly I'll tell you what we've, we've got about five minutes or so left if you can walk about and he's there he's, <laughs> he's got a hand of the king on his coat he's good to go uh, I'll tell you what just stand up and speak very loudly sir very loudly have you heard the uh, Game of Thrones in Dolby Atmos it is absolutely shattering. No, no, shattering, shattering. It nearly shattered the Cersei glasses, you know, I mean <laughs> they're not cheap either. But have you seriously heard it? If you can, do. Did we get it? Was that it? Did they have it for the, the sound premiere? Well, probably had it for, for the premiere. Yeah, last you worked for Dolby Atmos, right? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you do? Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Anybody else got a question? Yes, sir. Stand up, sir. Uh, so obviously Game of Thrones is coming to an end and all our lives. Um, so I'm trying to get lost towards the future and the, uh, the spin-offs. Um, Robert Trevelyan, maybe, would be Genji's girl. Um, but it's not good for Joe. Yeah, I think <laughs> I might not get that part. <laughs> I mean, I'm versatile, but I, I'd quite like a Robin of the Vale spin-off. But um, do you guys have any? Uh, what is it, Robin Arrow? Yeah, yeah, sickly Robin of the Vale. Yeah, uh, that'd be the, that'd be dark. <laughs> that'd be very dark. Do you guys have any sort of uh, thoughts or ideas of what you might like as a, a, a prequel or, or a sequel? It would be great if, like, for me personally, I just want to work with Joe all the time in my life. So I just want, I just want there to be like a sidequel to this season where, like, somehow Genji and Grey Worm find the time to solve mysteries together. <laughs> <laughs> preferably, preferably in the south, in Essos, yeah. where it's nice and warm. It'd be like Magnum P.I. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can find Double ever block. creative ways to skive off work in the forge. <laughs> we'll Who like what you can tell Miss Where you can tell Miss Sunday you've been cheating. She's cheating, but really, <laughs> we're sleuthing. You know, stuff the Targaryen dynasty. That is what I want to see now. Uh, right, we've got one more, and it's you, madam. There you go. First of all, you're awesome. <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you both as audience members and as actors, when you film fight scenes, do you prefer the quick cutting that lets you not have to learn huge amounts of choreography? 
or do you prefer something like the 12 minute single shot during the Battle of the Bastards? Latter, definitely, yeah. <laughs> also, because you get to show off, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you get to do your thing a bit more. I mean, you, you, I, mean I was so impressed when I saw that scene for the first time that we watched earlier. Because it like, that little snippet that we watched, it does, that's not even the most mental part of that, isn't it? No, well, it's, it's quite, it is quite, I'm not saying to criticise David Nutter, but it's quite, it's quite choppy, whereas we actually, choppy filmmaking. It's a little bit choppy. Um, but like, we, we spend so much time learning these things, and like, I'd say, say everybody in the class does, like, the stunt team are amazing, but everyone in the class does their own fighting, so like, we, you know, and you, you're just drilling it, drilling it, drilling it, drilling it, so you want to, Try and get the whole thing at once, but that's that's. But also, but also, as a, as a viewer, I mean, I think Battle of the Bastards that was season six, wasn't it? I mean, uh, that was one of the most staggering pieces of television I think I'd ever seen. That like it like it blew me away as a viewer, and the thing that I loved about it was that, you know, I I think we've all seen so many movies and TV shows with battle sequences in them and and I think often if, if the if the editing if the cutting's too quick you can kind of you kind of got you get desensitized to the violence a little bit and it yeah. all just looks kind of like shadow you know shapes kind of moving and blood splatter and silhouettes and um something about the way the battle of the bastards was shot was so real and visceral and it was because the claustrophobia yeah battles that it's not always frenetic action sometimes it slows right the way down and that that moment where they're all surrounded and um, and the bolt is just like <coughs> in slowly, slowly the shields are moving in, the spears are moving in, or even just the bit where under you know Jon Snow's suffocating under a pile of dead bodies. You know, there's nothing like there's nothing explosive about that. That's a slow, creeping, horrible way to go, but something that you can imagine happened in the in the madness of those of those scenarios. And um, and I think that that's what where where this humanity lies. I've been told we've got time for one more question. Who's that going to be? Uh, who's, uh, if you guys are together, that's awkward. It is quite awkward. You guys kind of like alluded to something in, in regards to Star Wars. Now with Dan Davis taking over the Star Wars project, have you guys had meetings? Or have you spoken to you about it? <laughs> not now. No, no, not now. <laughs> uh, Joe's not. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. <laughs> people have asked us, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if they just cast a load of us. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, they probably, they're not going to do that. I'll tell you what, I refuse like, to let the last question be about Star Wars. But I'm going to I'm gonna ask to be like a stormtrooper, because that's like my dream. <laughs> this is the whole, my favorite thing about Game of Thrones is that I get to like be on. I used to watch Star Wars behind the scenes and see these those amazing sets and be like, yeah. I want to do that. So I'm gonna ask them. Yeah. Right. One non-Star Wars question, you sir. Um, hi. Is this going to be the end of appointment more to the television as we know it? Hopefully um, not. Yeah. Hopefully not. I think. I, mean, I think that's. Yeah. I think. The, I think the great thing about the way Game of Thrones has evolved over the years and the way that it's not. You know we. Now that we have things like Sky Plus and we can stream and we can record and watch things when we want, you really you do lose that sense of event television. And 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 I personally love the feeling of sort of communal viewing. Yeah. Where, you know, even like not knowing, you just that feeling that you and millions and millions of other people around the world are watching something at the very same time. I mean, that was a marketeer's 
dream final question. Thank you very much, because I would like to point out that on Sky at two o'clock in the morning, uh, we will be simulcasting, simulcasting with HBO with episode eight, season one. It is then repeated at 9 p.m. on Sky Atlantic and Now TV. And <coughs> throwing cast straight after. Uh, please put your hands together. Jacob Anderson and Joe Dempsey. Thank you. So, um, yeah, over the last few weeks, I've been re-watching Catastrophe, and I have just, just finished watching season four. Um, so yeah, this was written by Sharon Horrigan and Rob Delaney. Uh, you know, and season four had a lot of the returning cast, like Mark Bonner as Chris, Ashley Jansen as Fran, Daniel Lapine as Dave, Jonathan Forbes as Fergal, Saita Indrina as Harita. Yeah, you know, um... So yeah, a lot of the same cast are back and just the breakdown of this season is Rob Delaney and Sharon Horrigan write and star in Catastrophe, a comedy following an Irish woman and an American man who make a bloody mess as they struggle to fall in love in London. And yeah, I... I mean, that's been the the season, the whole series, really, of two people meeting, being attracted to each other, and then you're kind of forced into a situation. And, I mean, you're not forced in, but it's like, you know, it feels like the right thing to do. So... Instead of going from chapter one to chapter two, three, four, you jump straight ahead to chapter 20. You know what I mean? And so because you haven't done those early chapters, it's, it, it becomes hard to find solid footing. So we're, we're seeing them navigate this this thing, yeah, this thing called love, how cheesy was that, Jesus Christ, man, but anyway, you know what the fuck I'm saying, you know what I mean, and and, and we're watching them navigate this thing, and it's just done so well, because the problem is, you watch certain programs, and then they show a relationship, and it's just, hey, we're either happy or, oh, now we're sad and we hate each other. And that means that we hate each other and we're not going to talk again. You know, but there's so many grey areas in this shit. Even when you really love someone, still grey areas in it. There's still going to be moments where you think, what a cunt. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're thinking, ass. Oh, but that doesn't take away from everything else. 
And there's gonna, even in the times of like real sadness, there's still jokes. Even when you hate each other, there's still times when you will laugh, forget you hate each other, and then everything's either golden or then you remember, oh shit, yeah, we hate each other. We're not gonna talk. But that, you know what I mean? Shit happens. That's what it is. And, and they just do it so well. So well. Ah, and you know what I mean? I think, mean, so season three ended with the car accident. And so for the last year, I know, I remember I was talking to my friend Alex. And it was just like, I remember when we, we, we both watched the season finale. It was just like, oh my God, did you see? Yeah, I saw. Oh, what the fuck's going to happen now? I don't know. Jesus, and like we went to the BFI in December, and and watched a couple of the episodes, and you know Rob and Sharon were there, and they did it was a Q and A, and it was it was great. And so you know, I mean, now it's the time to see the full thing, and so it, you know, you're you're picking up, and it's like, oh, I I I forgot, like we watched. I f- think we watched the first and third episode something like that but I'm watching this episode and I'm thinking I wonder what happens does he go to jail and I'm like obviously he doesn't I watched episodes I could I just forgot but I was fully invested again and it's just those first scene ah it is fun the way they do it that first scene in the courtroom it, it yeah it, it was done very well and it kind of summed the show up you know the way they just kind of skewer things slightly you know and and it was great and you're watching this this show and and like all the episodes it's just the little things that are happening like <laughs> yeah Sharon gets a new boss and so it's that situation at school. We're like, oh, what's going to happen with this new boss? And you think, oh, you know, is it a bit weird? Oh, and there's, so there's this incident there. Another incident with a student that's scared of her. And it's just like, well, what the fuck am I meant to do with this? Like, Rob's going to AA. And so there was, a, yeah, there's a fun thing with that whole situation. Uh, and, and one of the uh, funny lines was, um, oh, I, I noticed you were, you were listening to Radiohead. Yeah, I mean, AA is about fixing your problems, not uh, listening to Radiohead and wanking over your feelings. You know, and, it, and it's just like, ah, just the writing is so good. You know, obviously, I didn't do that justice. But look, the writing is just on point all the time. These, these, these interactions and these situations are great. And obviously, look, Rob's mum is played by Carrie Fisher. And so Carrie died, I think, just before they started making this season. So... It was like, how was that all going to fit in? And they really did do it justice. They, they, It was really good 
how they kind of concluded her story you know it it was yeah it was kind of poignant you know um but there you know there, there's a lot of there are a lot of up and downs you know what i mean um and like we're we're seeing that and and it's in as i say it's it's getting to a point where it was just like oh like is this going to be like ending you know what i mean like is this gonna end in a way that's gonna kill you you know what i mean um and like Oh, I have to say, like, the, the last moments were just... Because I think when we, we you know, you view this, and if, and if you view it, you know, like, basically season after season after season, back to back, you know what I mean? Like I've been doing. You do kind of notice, like, Sharon isn't as supportive of Rob as Rob is of Sharon, in a way, now, I think it's one of those things where it's just like, look, certain people have a different style of doing things, you know what I mean, and so what she kind of perceives as being supportive, it could also be perceived as being a little corrosive and dismissal, dismissive you know what I mean um and so there's this moment coming to the end of episode six and and, you know Rob is just he's just upset you know what I mean and it's just like look I never make you happy and I don't love you because I don't know what to do for you do you know what I mean? I don't know what to do. He didn't say I don't love you, actually. He said I don't like you, which is a different thing. Because you can love someone, but you cannot like you don't have to like him at that moment in time. You know what I mean? And so we have that. And it's just oh, look, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just say, listen, I don't usually do it, but I'm gonna have to. So if you haven't watched season four and you don't want to know what the fuck happened then fast forward a little bit you know what I mean fast forward a little bit um yeah uh maybe five minutes <laughs> I don't know but yeah uh you know I chat I won't spoil too much but I'm gonna have to mention a few things okay all right so here we go so yeah you get, you get that moment and you think, okay, they are done. It's over for these two now, you know. And that was just, fuck. Right, we've gone four motherfucking seasons, man. It can't end like this, no. 
But it, you know, it is still done in a measured way. It's not still not like, well, fuck you, and then they're just never. They're not in the same scenes with each other and all of this shit. You know what I mean? Because that could have been the thing. And then you know, at the very end, one runs to the other, and you know what I mean. But it, but it was more realistic. It was more realistic. So they're in a car and they're driving, and like, well, Rob kind of breaks down again. Then they're driving, and Sharon's just like, pull over. And then they're just sitting there at on the, you know, by the beach, which then you realize that's like the image that they've been using on the promotions. So it's kind of poignant that like kind of one of the end images is the image that kind of sums it all up, and it really does, you know, it really does. And you know, and she's just like, look, I, you know, it seems that you're not making me happy, but you are making me happy, you know, it's just like, I just don't, you know, I'm not showing it in that way, but fuck it, I don't know what I would do without you, and so you see, it just kind of all comes together, and it's just this, it's such a nice kind of, it's just a well-crafted, just, it's, it's a beautiful, it's like it's a beautiful fucking scene, man, what can I say, you know what I mean, it, it's just, just fucking punches you in the gut, man, you know what I mean, it, it's just like, whoa, and so you have this, this, this fantastic moment, and they're just like, Rob's just like, yo, wherever you, look, I apologize to, and I don't care where we end up, but wherever it is, I just want to be with you, and you're like, oh, man, and then, you know, Sharon goes in the sea to swim, and it's weird, because Rob, he kind of looks, and it says a sign, and it's just like, riptides don't swim, and then you kind of get the sense that he's like, well, if she gets washed away, I'd rather be washed away with her, and then he goes into the sea, and they just come together, And it kind of ends, man. And it's just such a beautiful ending. You know what I mean? It's just so... It's, it's, it's just kind of really sweet without being too saccharine. And it just... It really kind of just sums everything up, encapsulates just everything that we've seen. You know, the, the, this, this love that... It's been a bit of a battlefield. It's been a bit of a struggle. But at its core, you know that they love each other. Do you know what I mean? You know that they love each other. And it's just... It's kind of like they finally exhaled. You know, they finally exhaled. And were just like, you know what? Yeah, this is meant to be, and I'm just going with this motherfucking flow, I, and, you know, look, 
if you haven't seen it, people, you, you need to watch this series. You really do need to watch this series. So, I've just seen, and uh, season four is now on Amazon Prime. So, if you're not in the UK and you don't have more four, you can watch it on Amazon, man. And, yeah, I highly recommend you do that. Because... I ain't saying this lightly, but hey, fuck it, man. It's one of the best things on TV. One of the best things in TV. And I feel it it does such a good job of really kind of capturing a true and pure relationship. So, um, yeah, that's Catastrophe Season 4. Go check it out. I think... As people may know, I'm a big fan of um, Mark Dawson's fourth John Milton book, Ghosts. I think still to this day, it's my favourite book in the John Milton series. And in that book, we're introduced to um, Beatrix Rose, who used to be... um, you know, the head of 13, that then John took that role. Uh, so, I've I've always been kind of eager to check out the Beatrice Rose series, you know, uh, and that starts off with three novellas that come together as the Hong Kong stories. So, I figured, you know what? I'm going to check that out. Uh, so, the the breakdown is, Beatrix Rose has been betrayed. Her husband has been murdered and her daughter Isabella abducted. She flees to Hong Kong, to the Hong Kong underworld to plot her revenge. Those who wronged her will pay. Beatrix is the most dangerous woman you've ever met. She was an assassin for the firm the beyond top secret agency that did the dirty work for the British Secret Service. She is lethal, ethically flexible, totally ruthless, and you know what they say about payback. Beatrix needs cash to pay for the search for Isabella. When she rescues a local man from a brutal beating in a Koi Long karaoke bar She ends up finding money making opportunities In the local underworld The triads have a need for a woman With her practical skills But when the boss goes too far He has to pay the price In a breakneck paced roller coaster of action Beatrix Rose discovers that danger lurks In the unlikeliest of places and nothing is as it seems now um yeah these this you know this book is made up of the three novellas white devil nine dragons and dragon head and they kind of chronicle her uh yeah her kind of travels with um chow Uh, The Chinese man that she rescues from the triads in the karaoke bar. And 
I think the thing I really liked about these stories is, I guess that they're very succinct. You know, there's not really any fluff to them. They're not dragged out. They're to the point. And they're kind of ruthless. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no fucking around here. You know, she is, she's this person, she's doing this thing, and that's that. And um, yeah, and and it's and it's kind of good. There's kind of, I guess, with these as well. You kind of see more of a bit of a spycraft in them, in you know, in in the respect that she's kind of having to tail people and you know, like think of ways how she can get rid of them. Which is slightly different to the John Milton books. So that's very, um, yeah, that's kind of different and fun. It's, a, it's, you know, it's an interesting take. And also, like, yeah, it's a, it's a, she's a good character. So we have this. And it's just her then trying to, I guess, coalesce everything that's happened to her. And, you know now transition to working in the Hong Kong underworld and especially working with this guy Chow who she's a bit like he's a bit of an idiot but he did help her so she feels a little begotten to him and she has no other friends like she doesn't know anyone so She's able to kind of manipulate him in a way like, look, you know I'm dangerous as fuck, so don't mess with me, you know. So that's the that's the kind of thing that I feel kind of pushes this relationship. For she, you know, she doesn't have to worry too much about it because she knows that he knows what she can do so we have that aspect of things and it's like well how long can certain situations go on for that's the thing so the, you have these three novellas and they all kind of interlock so they're all kind of building from one to the other keeping these stories alive which is interesting i guess the one thing about it that it that was a bit i i just couldn't really buy it it is her whole opium addiction how that came about because you know i I, i'd say look if these books were set I don't know, like, maybe in the 60s, something like that, maybe the 50s, you know, you could then go, okay, people don't really, you know, they wouldn't understand what this drug is, and the problems with this drug, but setting it kind of now, that's not a thing, like, we know, all right, it's not really something you want to fuck with, no, uh, everyone knows that, you know, people give it out free because you're gonna come back, 
you get hooked so you're coming back and then they're gonna fleece you you know this is stuff that everyone knows so for you to do something like that you would really need to be just completely at rock bottom and you know she her situation it's not great don't get me wrong it's not a perfect situation but you're a bit like mm, it's still not rock bottom though it's still not the worst like for some reason i in ghosts i kind of was under the impression that she was she had cancer and so that's why she was taking the opium to get rid of that you know the pain from that but maybe i don't know it was a while ago that i did that book so i could have just been imagining shit because to me that makes more sense than how it were presented the situation in these books so yeah it, it, it was just a bit like i don't don't buy it and then I don't buy that you can then do a certain thing being jacked up on opium you know what I mean and 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 so it just made the end of the last book a little bit mm, I don't know I don't know but up to that point thoroughly enjoyed it really enjoyed these stories so i'm definitely going to um you know move on to uh the next book in the series the actual you know the actual book one you know the start of the trilogy in cold blood then we go blood moon rising and then blood and roses so i'm looking forward to those books because i know uh my friend has read them and she loved them so you know and I think she feels that they're better than the John Milton books so yeah I'm looking forward to those uh because yeah as I said look it's just the opium thing that muddies the water but if if without that these are really good tales you know really good short nasty vicious crime espionage tales so i would say look if you're a fan of the john milton books then you will definitely enjoy beatrix rose you know so um yeah go check those out for sure and um they're narrated by jane slavin who you know she does a really good job so um yeah that's Beatrice Rose's The Hong Kong Stories by Mark Dawson. You can find them on Audible around the world. Check it out. Okay, so we have reached the end of the another episode. Well, we're close to the end. You know the deal. We're going to hit some news. Then we're gonna bounce. Um, there's a and I don't know. It, it looks like we're coming to that point where a lot of new series or old series, the new release dates are being released, and there's a lot of information 
dropping right now. And there's some interesting stuff coming up. One thing that won't be dropping is the TV adaptation of Why the Last Man. Um, <clears throat> so FX has decided that they're not going to move through, move forward with the current iteration of the um, of the series, which is based on the comic book series that was created by Brian K. Vaughan and Pia Guerrera, which came out on Vertigo Comics, which is a subsidiary of DC Comics. Um, yeah, like the showrunners, um, Michael Green and Ada Mashakakor? Something like that. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, they announced that they are no longer, um, yeah, going to be producing show running the series because of creative differences. And, whew, like, that's always a weird thing because who knows what that means? You know what I mean? You never know what creative differences really means. But supposedly... The TV, um, like FX, is still want to keep all the cast, so they're still looking to keep all the cast involved. But they're just, um, yeah, they're just looking to bring someone in to retool things. So I don't know, and like maybe like this doesn't drop in September, but it might drop maybe in the in January. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with this? Um, <clears throat> so Netflix on their um, investor call recently announced uh, the release of um, several things coming um, in their fourth quarter, which is October to the December. October to December. So in that time period we will be seeing um, the third season of The Crown, um, Ellen DeGeneres' Green Eggs and Ham. I mean, I don't know. That's clearly a kid's thing. But the big, the big news is that that is also when the, the, uh, their adaptation of The Witcher will be um will be dropping so um yeah that you know it's starring henry cavall um and it's it, it's an eight episode first season whoo like the the book series is great so i'm really hoping this is gonna be um just as good you know uh, you know, there's also been big news coming out from Disney. They've been talking about their new platform and everything. Uh, and word is that the the Mandalorian will be um, one of the launch titles that will be there on the 12th of November. The uh, the disappointing news, though. There's not going to be um, every episode. 
So it looks like Disney are going to be running a um, kind of a traditional release schedule with their programming. So, um, yeah, it's going to be like every week, which uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's a shame because, you know, what I, mean? I like to be able to watch stuff just when I want you know if I can't sleep I'll throw on something you know I've just been watching old episodes of 30 Rock recently and I watch you know four or five episodes you know what I mean try and get to sleep after that so yeah it's a shame but you know it's not the end of the world because there's gonna be a shit ton of stuff on um, Disney plus so you know I, I think we will be able to survive um, and also, you know, well, well, Disney and everyone were talking about the release of Disney Plus. Uh, Kevin Feig re reiterated what you know what had been said earlier on in the year, and that is that the the TV shows that will be launching on Disney Plus, the Marvel TV shows. So we've got um. The, the, the Loki one, we've got the Winter Soldier and Falcon, we've got the Vision and Scarlet Witch. Uh, I feel there's an oh, there's the um Hawkeye one that was announced the other week. Now, the all of these TV shows will now be tying into the MCU proper. You know, because before, you know, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., with Agents Carter, they kind there was little kind of hints, and there was moments in S.H.I.E.L.D. where they tried to tie it in, but because those shows were made by Marvel Television, it was difficult to tie them into the films, because, you know, they're separate kind of companies, essentially. But the TV programs on Disney Plus are going to be made by um, Marvel, you know, the film. So, um, yeah, we're finally going to have an integrated um, kind of ecosystem, which is going to be great. You know what I mean? So, like, things that happen in the film are going to get reflected in the TV and vice versa. That's going to be awesome. You know what I mean? So, very much looking forward to that. Uh, some other news as well. Um, you know, like, uh, we, like, if you've seen Mindy Kalen on Instagram, there's all there's often been like information about the four weddings and a funeral TV series. But um, so like more news came out recently, and um, yeah, so it's going to be a ten episode anthology series, uh, which you know based on the film. Um, and the story follows four American friends who reunite for a fabulous London wedding. But after a bombshell at the altar throws their lives into turmoil, term, 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 disarray, 
Um, they must weather a tumultuous. How the fuck can I say tumultuous but not term? Yeah, but it throws a. They must weather a tumultuous year of romance and heartbreak. Um, there's also going to be a second psych movie, which is yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, Joe McHale. And Jewel Hill will both be coming back um, for this. So that should be fun. You know, Sight, it was a fun TV series. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. And uh, a TV series that I am really been waiting on for a long-ass time. The Nicholas Winding Refins um too old to die young which he created with master comic book scribe ed brubaker so um yeah it's gonna be debuted at Cannes. um it's gonna be a 10 episode series and the episodes are feature length i don't know what that means there's, you know, we were told Game of Thrones were going to be feature length episodes, and it's just like, oh, 65 minutes, which is a bit like, eh, that doesn't really seem feature length to me. Feature length seems like a film. So, and if we look at films nowadays, that's two hours minimum. So that's what I'm expecting. When I see feature length, that's what I'm expecting. But who knows? But. Um, Miles Teller leads the cast of this neon soaked look at the criminal underbelly of LA, including working class hitmen, Yazuka soldiers, cartel assassins from Mexico, Russian mafia, captains, and teenage killers. Ooh. And it's going to be debuting on Amazon Prime on the 14th of June, so yeah, looking forward to that, and, oh, really big news, on the 26th of July, which, there's a lot of stuff coming out in July, because I believe Amazon is dropping their adaptation of The Boys in July, but on the 26th of July, we are going back to Neptune, baby. Yes, that's right. Veronica Mars will be back. So, um, in the new series, Spring Breakers are getting murdered in Neptune, which is decimating the seaside town's lifeblood tourist industry. After Martin. Mars Investigations is hired by the parents of one of the victims to find their son's killers. Veronica is drawn into an epic mystery that pits the wealthy elite against the working class. Dum, dum, dum. And um, Bell will be executive producing the show alongside... Rob Thomas, Diana Rogero Wright, and Dan 
Etheridge. So yeah, looking forward to that in a major way. But yeah, that has been a um yeah another fun episode of Echoes into the Void, and we're gonna be back next Wednesday, people. So uh, remember to uh, tune in because we're gonna have some fun shit. Don't expect any Game of Thrones because um yeah I'm waiting for it to finish before I watch it. So, uh, yeah, you'll get my views mid-May, alright, but, you know what I mean, enjoy yourselves, have a fun time, hey, enjoy your Easter, enjoy your Easter break, people, and, um, hopefully that means next week all the frigging kids are gonna be gone, because, god damn it, they are irritating as hell, but, yeah, alright, don't get too, um, Don't get too crazy on those Easter eggs, right? All right, people. Peace.